Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket. I'm your host, Peter Delapena, and on today's episode we have another USA Women's Cricket Volunteer Coordinator, this time from Northern California, Naheen Chowdhury. Previous episode of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast, we had Emily Reynolds on, who was a volunteer coordinator from Southern California. And this time, going to have an interview with Naheen, who has been quite active outside of her role as a women's volunteer coordinator, galvanizing a lot of youth cricket development in the East Bay of Northern California. She's going to talk a lot about what it takes to get youth cricket going, especially girls cricket going in the right direction. We've got the USA Women's Under-19 National Championships that have just kicked off this week, and Naheen is an excellent guest to highlight that theme of girls' cricket development. But before we get to the interview with Naheen Chowdhury, I want to remind everybody that the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket is also sponsored by Moosa Cricket Stadium, the first and original turf wicket facility in the state of Texas. For more information, call 713-534-2195, Moosa Cricket Stadium in Pearland, Texas. Our guest today is Naheen Chowdhury, a USA Cricket Women's Volunteer Coordinator based in the San Francisco Bay Area. Does work with the Dublin Cricket League and the San Ramon Cricket Association. Naheen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on here. So first off, a bit of background about you. I met you out in the Bay Area during the intra-regional matches, Morgan Hill and Santa Clara and Pleasanton. And you were ever-present at the ground, scorekeeping, and just generally helping out and doing a lot of things to to stay involved. You seem very, very passionate about cricket. And I know from talking with you, to use the cliche, it's in your blood. So uh, tell us a little bit about your background and, and how this passion for cricket came to be. I was born in San Francisco and I was two years old when my parents decided that they wanted to return back to Pakistan. So I think I was very fortunate to grow up there. And I think that's how my passion developed for the sport. I'm a crazy cricket fan, a Pakistan cricket team. Uh, very, it's always been an emotional roller coaster for me supporting them. And I've grown up going to na- the Karachi National Stadium, watching games, all of that over the years growing up in Pakistan. I lived there for 16 years. I feel very fortunate to be growing up, learning about the sport, being passionate about it. Um, along the way, um, I played a lot of sports in Pakistan. And I went to a Catholic school there called St. Michael's Convent School. During that time, you know, I played a lot of sports, including cricket, softball, uh, badminton, and also played this game called throwball and netball, which is kind of similar to basketball. So somehow my coaches nominated me to um, attend this uh, camp that was to promote sports for girls. And I picked cricket. And we, they had some retired first-class cricket players that came and volunteered their time to coach us girls. And there was a, I remember a family who that volunteered their their backyard for us to be coached. And so went through that co- coaching process. I was about 13. Started playing in gymkhana in Karachi, some local games, and I was reached by the Karachi women's team captain back then. And she reached out to my parents. She was really interested in me joining the team and their camp. And that's when my dad realized I was taking it too seriously. (laughs) And 
he didn't let me proceed after that. I remember being very heartbroken, cried a lot, tried to convince my parents. I remember her calling my parents, asking if she could come over and talk to them in person. And my dad was like, there's no way you're taking this <laughs> to the next level. So kind of stopped playing cricket after that, just followed cricket, traveled. Whenever I traveled, if there was a game going on, I would love to go watch the game. Moved back to the US when I was ready for college. But at that time, my parents were deciding between Houston and Las Vegas because we had a lot of family in the US and a lot of my family had settled in Las Vegas. So then they picked Vegas. So I went to UNLV. I'm a big Rebels fan. And while I was in college over there, I started working part-time at Thomas and Mack Center for the athletic department. And once I graduated in 2006, I became a full-time employee. So I worked there between part-time and full-time. I worked for four years. And I think my passion for sports was always there because I continued playing on the side, you know, cricket with friends growing up in Vegas, followed cricket regularly, staying up late to watch games if I had to, and then would drink a lot of Red Bull to go to school or work. So <laughs> along the way, then working for an athletic department was just amazing for me. It was a great experience. Worked with everyone in the athletic department, from coaches to analysts to people that managed the grounds. And, you know, I loved it. I learned a lot. I met amazing people. And I think that grew my passion for sports in general and became a big Rebels basketball fan. Went to a lot of different game, basketball games, track meets, swim meets, you know, baseball games, football games, you name it. You know, and then somehow met my husband a few years later in uh, the Bay Area, started coming to his cricket games. Those were like our dates. <laughs> <laughs> he plays for NCCA All-Stars team. He plays for um, Sienna Mon Cricket Association's adult league with the heavy tennis ball that they play. And then he plays, you know, a bunch of different casual leagues around the Bay Area too. So um, I think we really connected because of cricket. He couldn't believe he met someone who was as crazy about cricket as me. <laughs> when we got married, we moved to San Francisco. Uh, and this was in 2011. And I remember driving to East Bay every weekend for his games. So I used to be that one wife at his games. <laughs> but I enjoyed watching them. Then um, a few years later, when my son was five, he was at Emerald Glen Park in Dublin with my husband, just riding his bike came across this youth organization and the coach was like, it was coach Clint. And he's like, Hey, come on over. And my son used to play with my husband all the time. And he couldn't believe that this five-year-old was playing with a hardball. And he's like, I want him to join. <laughs> and so that's how we got involved with San Ramon Cricket Association Youth and Dublin Cricket League. My son enrolled. And so that's been my journey with cricket. So lots of unpack there. So I'll, I'll go back and start off with growing up in, in Pakistan or even before that, born in the Bay Area, born in Mill Valley from, from memories, what you told me, which for people who are not familiar with San Francisco geography is just over the north side of the Golden Gate Bridge, kind of just north of Sausalito. Your dad, you talked about the emphasis your dad put on education and 
stereotypes or cliches uh, before with the crickets in your blood and, and education is obviously a huge huge thing in uh, South Asian families and he from my understanding he was a, a very skilled engineer was the chief engineer for building the Moscone Center in San Francisco so he had a he had a prominent role in the city what prompted him to want to take the family back to Pakistan at that stage my do- my sister was born in 86 and right before that my dad's mom passed away so i think it made him realize he had two girls and they had we didn't know about family other than our my our parents and us the four of us you know and it made him feel he wanted to raise us around family and grandparents and you know learn about the culture so suddenly he decided to wrap up and leave he worked for tylin back then a big engineering structure uh, firm he was a you know chief engineer there and my mom tells me stories where his boss would call my mom to tell her to you know convince him to stay and he was adamant he wanted to move back home so yeah we moved in 86 to karachi you know that's how um my journey in karachi started at two another fascinating thing that you touched on there i had not been aware of this i know that there's catholic education is prominent in various parts of the world, depending on where Jesuit missionaries travel to. And education was a foundation of of their proselytizing people in different parts of the world. And there's definitely a lot of Catholic schools in the south of India. I wasn't aware until I met you that there were also Catholic schools in Pakistan. I knew that there were English medium schools that I've met a lot of friends through cricket who have been educated through the English medium schools. I wasn't aware that there was actually still a strong Catholic school system in Pakistan. And I'm very fascinated to hear how that experience was at a Catholic school in Pakistan. In the U.S., I went to a Catholic school. I went to an all-boys Catholic school. And another thing besides education is there's a very strong sports culture at Catholic schools in the U.S. and in other parts of the world. And I, I also just want to get a sense of how much of an influence was the sports culture there in terms of getting you involved, not just in these other sports, but in cricket. Oh, absolutely. I really, I have good memories of being in the Catholic school. I was there from kindergarten till 11th grade. Um, did my O-levels and A-levels first year, which is under Cambridge Board of UK. We had amazing teachers, and I really um, admired our our coaches. There was a very strong sports emphasis growing up in the Catholic school. If you were interested, you know, had the skills for it, you had a lot of chances with all sorts of sports. And it wasn't just the school team. They called them house teams. So you had the Kids were basically split into different house teams. So I was called I was part of this group called Yellow House. So you could represent your your group in sports. And there was a head coach for each house team. And if he identified you as someone who could compete, he would include you in the teams. So I did play a lot of softball for my house team and badminton and throw ball. So I, you know, I, I really enjoyed that aspect. I wasn't as much of a a track athlete, but, you know, in team sports, uh, I really enjoyed that. And I think, to your point, growing up in that environment is what, you know, developed that passion. You, you talked about the struggle with your family. You were very passionate about it. You didn't quite get that family support. 
but you still had a very enthusiastic support for and interest in sports in general. And then coming back to Las Vegas and going to UNLV, you mentioned being around the basketball team. And at the time, it would have been Lon Kruger, who was the head coach of the basketball team there. And he started off his college career at Kansas State. He's been to Florida. He led Florida to a Final Four back in the mid-90s. He coached at Illinois, was very successful there. He's coached in the NBA uh, with the Atlanta Hawks. After UNLV, he's, he's also coached at Oklahoma for a decade. So he's been quite a number of places in the coaching circuit, and he's got a very well-known personality. For you, as somebody who, who grew up involved in a cricket environment, to be in a, an environment on a college campus like that, where college basketball is a huge thing for UNLV, and again, for the cricket audience who may not be aware of UNLV basketball, they've got a, a huge, huge tradition going back to the early 90s, where they won a national championship, and they had some high-profile NBA draft picks like Larry Johnson and Stacey Ogman and Greg Anthony, and then the resurgence under Lon Kruger to get back into NCAA tournaments, which would have coincided with your time there. Everybody knows Las Vegas for the casinos and a lot of other things about Vegas, not so much about UNLV and the sports culture there. Now, obviously, the Las Vegas Raiders and you've got the Golden Knights as professional teams have come in in recent years. What is it like for you, A, for somebody who comes from a family who's traditionally more involved in, in cricket culture and B, just Vegas in general being part of the sports culture there? Vegas is home for me after Karachi. And, you know, I think I was very lucky to get an opportunity to work with Thomas and Mack Center and the team out there. I was very green when I started. I was part-time, and they gave me this opportunity to work in, in IT. So that's what I was doing at school, MIS. So I got into tech support for them, and that's how I did get to meet Coach Kruger as well over the years. And... When you live in Las Vegas, it's not a lot about the casinos and the strip. There's a life in the suburbs outside of Las Vegas. Your suburbs are very small. There's not a lot of traffic, unlike in the Bay Area. So, But there's a life outside of that. And there's a big support for sports and entertainment over there. And I think that's what attracted some of the sports, uh, especially at Thomas and Mack Center being one of the main arenas back then. The entertainment and athletic part was mostly hosted at Thomas and Mack Center. So I feel really lucky to have been part of that experience from sports events, ESPN events, election debates, the all-star game in 2007 to the rodeo every year. It's It's been an amazing time working there. And then about Coach Kruger, he was honestly one of the best coaches that I've uh, worked with. And, you know, I was in tech support, but someone for that high caliber and, and the achievements he's had over the years. Initially, when I met him, I felt a little intimidated. But when you get to know him, he was one of the kindest, sweetest people I'd ever met. And he had an amazing staff of coaches. They were all the same. So, you know, it, I have a high level of respect for him and for his team, his staff for that. And I think you know he's really lucky they have now his son as a as a coach. I have good memories of uh, being at UNLV. Having gone through that experience, just being in, in immersed in that sports culture, that's kind of the environment that people envision cricket can hopefully become one day in the U.S. So I'm curious to hear from you. What are the similarities and differences that you observed being part of the UNLV athletic department in terms of how cricket is a big event type 
professional atmosphere compared to the big professional event type atmospheres in Las Vegas? It wasn't as much of a culture shock. There were differences. Growing up, to go to games in Pakistan, like cricket games, it was always a, a long process getting to the stadium, you know, Karachi National Stadium. A bit of history about me, I was never allowed to go unless my sister went with me, my younger sister. So for me, it was a big deal. I would start planning. I would save my pocket money to be able to buy my ticket and my sister's ticket because she didn't care as much for cricket, but I was very grateful she supported me because she knew that's something I was very passionate about and I really wanted to go watch the game. Infrastructure-wise, I remember we used to have to park by Ahan University and Hospital and walk to the National Stadium. It used to be a long walk. You couldn't park anywhere near the stadium at back then. You know, you would have to plan to have, you know, take snacks with you and water and everything to be there the whole day. The crowds could be really rowdy. So it was growing up watching games behind like these, these wired fence. They didn't have all the pregame show or anything in cricket before. Now they do. You know, so over the years, I've seen that progress where they didn't have all that, the pregame show and the advertising and promoting the players and everything. It was a simple game. You would just go have your toss, pitch report, and the game would start. So for me, yes, it was a, there's a lot of entertainment emphasis, I felt, in the U.S., especially in college sports, in particular basketball and football, I felt and I enjoyed it. I became a big basketball fan, especially with the Mountain West conferences that we used to host. And I did see similarity in where the student enclosures, you know, how they're passionate and how involved and emotional they are at basketball games is similar to what I felt at cricket, especially when an India-Pakistan game would happen. So, you know, those were similarities, but the pregame show and all, I've now over the years have started seeing it. For instance, I went to watch uh, Australia and Pakistan play in Dubai in 2012. And it was new. It was, uh, it was a lot different than what I saw growing up. They had the pregame show, you know, with interviews. They would come around and interview spectators. Players were greeted on the ground. So things have changed over the years. And now if you see the Pakistan Super League or IPL, so they have a lot of entertainment that has been added on to the games too. From that standpoint, this is, I guess, leading into a question I have about your role now in, in as a USA Women's Volunteer Coordinator. The cricket community in terms of women's cricket is very small right now, even though the national team started in 2009, 12 years later, it hasn't really progressed much. And one of the key things that a lot of people bring up in conversations is bridging that gap with the mainstream community, if you will. At, it, currently, the the community in cricket, whether it's it's boys or girls or men or women, it's 99% South Asian, West Indian, expat or first, second generation heritage families who are American born. And even in that subset, it's very, very rare. So it's very, very rare to have somebody like yourself or the players who are coming up right now on the West Coast, whether that's Anika Cohen or Alasia Malapudi or Kizika Kadali. I would consider they're in a minority within the cricket community because it's very rare to have American-born race players, regardless of their ethnic background. But what I find fascinating is 
somebody like yourself, somebody like these players who are coming up now, they're kind of the bridge to try and close that gap in terms of recruiting and exposing the sport to people, whether it's more first and second generation West Indian and South Asian kids or beyond that. Irish American, Italian American, Japanese American, Chinese American, Mexican American. There's a huge outlet and opportunity for people to get exposed to cricket. And if you if you consider it like a, a Venn diagram, I always use this example. There's there's so many people who come from South Asia or um, the West Indies who there's one circle in the Venn diagram that all they know is cricket, and then you've got the American families who all they know is baseball, basketball, football, ice hockey, tennis, whatever. And there's very few people, if, if you try and cross the circles, there's like a tiny sliver in the Venn diagram of people who actually have been exposed and appreciate and can articulate what's going on in both sports to try and spread and translate the game and whatnot. And you you fall into that very, very tiny sliver of the, of the Venn diagram. So in your role uh, as a USA Women's Volunteer Coordinator, what do you see as some ways and some objectives where you feel you can help bridge that gap to get more players involved. I feel like it will require a lot of patience. You have to tap into schools, which is what I feel like I'm playing a dual role because I've been doing this with the Youth Academy that I've been volunteering at for the last two years. And now with, you know, being a volunteer coordinator for USA Cricket, for women's cricket, First thing is educating and introducing the sport to our youth around the Bay Area. And that is what I have seen from experience is drawing the interest. And for instance, from my youth academy, we have about 22 plus schools before COVID that were participating in tennis ball cricket. As we were introducing it to them, we're sending coaches to coach them for free once a week for an hour. And then we host tournaments between inter-school tournaments for them. And a lot of them are very new to the sport, predominantly South Asian background. And they're learning about the sport. And it's just trying to create a fun environment for them, you know, to play and to enjoy and learn the sport. And in that process, we moved to Danville two years ago. And no school in Danville had cricket. And so... With the help of my youth organization, especially the sister organization, Cricket for Cubs, with their help, uh, we re- reached out to my son's school because he was in Dublin and he played for their local school team and he didn't want to move to Danville because their school didn't have a cricket team. So I told him I will help, <laughs> you know, start a team. And um, I'm grateful to Ramesh who helped me, you know, guided me to the process, Ramesh Amadi, who was part of Cricket for Cubs, who started Cricket for Cubs. So he guided me to the process. I went to the school and got insurance through our youth organization, got permission from the office staff. They were very helpful. We sent out flyers and you wouldn't believe it. We got about 25 kids that showed interest and showed up to learn about the sport. And 50% of them were not, were non-South Asian. They were baseball players. And that showed me right there that if we provide a platform to educate and share the sport, there will be interest out there. And this was just one school where I got 25 kids uh, with quite a few that were not 
from a background of cricket. And they were great, you know, especially the baseball players. So that was very motivation, motivating for me. You know, what Cricket for Cubs does, you know, is something that I really want to continue helping. And that's what USA Cricket wants to do is also start tapping into schools. And I think if you start doing that at the grassroots level and promoting the sport, you will start developing a fan base. And then you will start developing awareness for the sport. The other thing I feel is like if we have games like the intra-regionals and the regionals, if we start advertising to the local community, whether it's the school district, the city itself and the county officials and advertising to officials around there, inviting them, like the last intra-regional that we had for the girls at Aliso. If you advertise, you will start drawing attention. And then we had a lot of neighbors that showed up to, to the game and stopped and asked, asked questions, you know, and that creates awareness. They talk and then it spreads this knowledge of the sport that, hey, they're playing this sport over here. Let's go check it out. So I feel it's hand in hand. You have to advertise, invite uh, city officials, school district, and start tapping into the schools. Today's edition of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket is also sponsored by Musa Cricket Stadium, the first and original turf wicket facility in the state of Texas, located at 5515 McKeever Road in Pearland, just five miles off the Bailey Road exit from State Route 288, a half hour south of downtown Houston. Musa Cricket Stadium includes fully enclosed locker rooms and change rooms, plus shower facilities after a day's play, as well as outdoor nets for all your training needs. Aside from the main turf stadium ground, there is now a second ground at the facility open for use. For more information, call 713-534-2195 Musa Cricket Stadium in Pearland, Texas. You talked about getting kids involved and especially getting girls involved. One of the things that stood out to me when I was at the Interregionals in the Bay Area and in Pleasanton was all the dignitaries who came to the opening of the new turf wicket in Pleasanton put such a heavy, heavy emphasis on making facilities available for girls. Anybody who grows up in the U.S. is fully aware of Title IX and the equal opportunity aspects of public funding. And you basically can't start a program that's boys only or men only. You have to provide opportunities for girls or women or else it's just not going to happen. It's just a non-starter. That's something that the cricket community has struggled with. And you, you touched on reaching out to schools where obviously you're going you're to get in basically an equal amount of boys and girls who get exposed to the sport, build up the numbers that way. But whether it's at youth level or beyond at teenage level and adult level, senior senior level, the numbers for female cricket participation are dismal in America. And you joked at the start, you were saying uh, you were the only cricket wife who showed up to, to your husband's matches. And I've seen that in various parts of the country it's a surprise if you get one wife or one girlfriend or one sister or daughter or, or anybody who's female shows up to these games. And I've found that quite bizarre, uh, having grown up playing Little League Baseball or Pee Wee Ice Hockey or other youth sports where moms and female volunteer support and female participation is ever present. I grew up on ice hockey teams where we had girls on our team uh, who played on our boys ice hockey team. And that was just a normal thing. It wasn't uh, something that was unusual. They were always welcome and encouraged. And I don't feel that that has always been the case, whether that's from a playing participation standpoint or from other aspects of, of supporting cricket. And I just want to get your perspective on what you have experienced and observed 
trying to support cricket, whether that's in Pakistan or in the U.S. in the Bay Area, what are some things that you feel need to be improved to help get cricket participation, whether that, again, that's at, at junior level, like you're talking about getting into the schools or sustaining that through adult level to make cricket more welcoming for females nationwide? So I'll give you an example of the academy, right? I have 287 youth enrolled right now. We as an academy between... And this is, sorry, sorry, the academy is, is called, what is the name of the academy? Dublin Cricket League and San Ramon Cricket Association. Since we're a nonprofit, we registered through each city. We're essentially one organization. So as of today, we're 287 youth enrolled between the age of 5 to 17. Out of that, barely 9% are girls. But yet our numbers are high. What I've had in conversation with people around, they're surprised to hear that we have 25 girls in our academy, but I feel it's a low number. And you're talking about compared to other cricket academies around the country. Yes. In fact, when, my, when I had my interview with USA Cricket for the volunteer role, they were really, really surprised that we had 25 girls. And then when we had coach Julia Price come to you know, visit our facility, we only invited the girls. And we had 25 girls over there. And she's like, where are you finding these girls from? And to be honest, we're finding them in schools. We're taking the sport to the school. We're sending a coach to the school, just like other sports that they have after, after school activities. So parents are hearing about it through schools. If we're providing a convenient platform for them at school where the coach will go there and coach them on premises after school, parents are more willing to have their kids attend the session. And that is what is drawing girls towards the sport. And then we have role models like Gitika, who could come. They've, she's come to our facility in the past. She is an SRCA player. And uh, we're very proud that girls like her can come to our facility and do a meet and greet session with our girls. And that is something that I think helps motivate these girls. If we can do more of those meet and greet sessions with uh, national team players and even regional players, it, it can provide an insight into what a girl can achieve in this sport. And I feel like it also goes along with college. So a lot of parents want their kids to develop a skill or, or learn a sport that can help them with college scholarships. And I think for us to grow, that is something that we need to tap into down the road is providing a niche in the universities for cricket for boys and girls, and then eventually an opportunity for scholarships for that. So that will require a lot of work. Right now, we're trying to develop it as a recognized sport in schools. And once that can happen, then we can also start tapping into colleges. And I think that will help uh, with promoting the sport more. You said 25 girls currently out of the 287 between the Dublin Cricket League and San Ramon Cricket Association in terms of the youth set up there. You feel like that's small, again, compared to other places in the country, that is huge because their female playing base is, is a big fat goose egg, zero. 
But having that foundation that you do have, realistically, what targets do you have for the academy, whether that's two years, five years, 10 years down the road in terms of growth that you envision is possible in order to then parlay that into a more extensive and robust school district opportunity? And then mushrooming that out from the district to the county, county to the state. My short term goal is right now we have girls between age five to 17. So we don't have enough for one one team of either in beginners or an intermediate level or a competitive advanced level. Like an age group team. So you don't have like an under 11, under 13, under 15 where girls are playing within their peer group, their age group. It's basically five to 17 is all lumped into one group or no? No. So they are coaching in co-ed environment with their age and skill set right so they'll be in beginners or intermediate based on you know their age or skill and in advance we'll have our u10 u12 u14 but as an academy i want to i want us to have enough girls in the same skill set to have a team enroll in tournaments so i think that's a short-term goal right now um, we have a lot, majority of our girls are between the age of five to 12 that are really green and new for, to cricket and they're in the developing stage. And then a handful of them that you probably saw the intra regionals as well that are at the more competitive level playing hardball. But I don't have enough girls in the competitive hardball league level to be playing as a team. So they play in a co-ed environment. And I think our first goal would be, it would be amazing if we can have enough girls to have one team that can come as just girls. In the meantime, as a coordinator, what I was hoping is all the girls in the Bay Area, no matter what academy you belong to, if you can play as one team in tournaments, I think that would be a great opportunity to start with. You mentioned having nearly 300 kids, again, as part of these academies, and yet you applied and were successful in terms of coming on board as a USA Cricket Women's Volunteer Coordinator. So you got a lot on your plate. What motivated you to want to apply and become part of the volunteer coordinator setup, considering all the dynamic things you're accomplishing out in the Bay Area just locally? USA Cricket, what it's trying to achieve right now, I'm starting to see movement with especially women's cricket, what's been happening in the last few months with the inter-regionals and the regionals and preparing for a U19 and a national team. For us to be able to work together on all levels, from domestic all the way up to the national level, I think that's one of the reasons what motivated me to apply for the role. We can make it uh, more successful and working together from, there are a lot of towns around here in the U.S. that are very passionate. We have very passionate leagues around the U.S. And if we can all come together and provide this platform for our youth, in particular for our girls, you know, we could grow rapidly. Define rapidly in the context of of women's cricket here. For instance, right now, what we saw in the Bay Area during the intra-regionals, it happened fast. It happened with a lot of coordinators and team contacts that came together in a short amount of time, but they worked together to make this happen. And our senior players from our national team that played Im- immense roles as mentors for our youth. So this was this is something that was achieved in a short time. 
I feel if we give it continue to work together with the leadership from USA Cricket and what they, you know, what the plans are for the future, we could all continue working together and make this even more successful, introduce more girls to the sport, bring more girls into these teams that will play in interregional games. And that way you provide more, a bigger roster of girls that can then compete for the next level. There's other ways female volunteers can contribute, whether it's umpiring, scoring, saw you scoring at the games. There's a huge shortage in a whole lot of aspects of what is part of a game day environment in cricket. I see that in a lot of other sports where women are helping out in so many different ways that I feel is lacking in cricket outside of obviously growing the participation numbers on the field. What are the best ways or one way in particular that you feel is a priority to get more women involved and encourage them to get out and find other ways to support a game day initiative like yourself? There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes for a game to happen. Not just the participants, but, you know, like you mentioned, the volunteers. You know, if we can get together to start acquiring grounds for girls, better facilities for girls, I think that would be a start. I feel um, right now it's not deliberate, but it just naturally happens that our boys get some of the higher end facilities to play at and our, our girls don't. And that is something that we need to start with, is providing them with better facilities to play at. And then once that is acquired, then the, you know, the arrangements that happen in the background from their, you know, snacks and the ground setup and transportation, whatever it may be. That, but I would like to start with providing better facilities for girls. And I think that is something that us non-players can start working to, you know, tap into all the facilities we have in the Bay Area and see how we can start providing, having, hosting more girl games. Right now, they are given priority to a lot of boys. I think that was something to start with. It's expanding. So Sandra Mullins promised us, the city of Sandra Mullins promised a ground. Dublin, I think you already saw, they've broken ground. Pleasanton's working on a new larger ground. There are a lot of city support and school district support, which is driving this initiative of getting more grounds. Alisal was a smaller scale, but first natural turf ground for us as an organization. And we're hoping that seeing the success from that, that it can grow between all the cities. What is it like for you, just from a family standpoint, with regards to, you talked about growing up, you didn't have that support for cricket growing up. So you're the mother of one boy and one girl, and you've got a husband who's very, very supportive. Obviously, he plays, and you said that's what you bonded over to come together in the first place. So just from that standpoint, you're in an environment now, whether it's personally or in the broader community, where you're getting a lot of support. What is that like for you, having that opportunity now at a different stage in life uh, to contribute in, in such a positive way where it wasn't possible when you were growing up in Pakistan? I feel very lucky and blessed, to be honest. I feel like what I couldn't achieve at the age of 13 left a void. And now, two years ago, when I got the opportunity to start volunteering at San Ramon Cricket Association in Dublin Cricket League, I, I thrive in it. I love it. It's my passion and to see youth develop is bringing out 
more and more involvement for me. I, I love seeing that. I love seeing these kids join an academy, learn how to pick up a bat, and then progress and start playing hardball cricket. And the excitement that I see in their eyes, it honestly, it's, it's fulfilling for me personally. I love it. I am very lucky. My husband's very patient and very supportive because it takes so many hours of my time. I used to work um, in IT before my kids were born. I worked at Sutter Health and then I became a stay-at-home mom. My daughter was, I believe, three when I started uh, volunteering here. And I, I can't stop, <laughs> even when I'm on vacation. <laughs> I can't disconnect. <laughs> There's good and bad to that, but this is who I am, I feel. And I'm very lucky my family is patient and supportive of this and um, letting me fulfill this passion of mine. My daughter is five, and I think maybe because of my husband playing cricket every weekend and my son playing cricket now, he's eight, and my daughter literally uses the words, I hate cricket. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I spend time with her, with her gymnastics, which is what she enjoys. What I believe is I don't want to push my kids into a sport because I'm passionate about it. And I do see a lot of kids that are there that are for their parents' passion. But then there are some kids there who really want to play the sport. And if we can provide an environment for them to grow and progress, if I can provide even a little help with youth cricket, that is something that makes me happy. You touched on that. That's, that's quite a big goal. That's a significant goal. Is there anything else? whether at a local level with Dublin Cricket League, San Ramon Cricket Association, or in a national role in the capacity as a regional designated USA Cricket Women's Volunteer Coordinator, that is your number one objective that you really, really are desperate to achieve? So I'm really new to this role as a volunteer women's coordinator. Um, I am eager to help in any capacity I can. You know, I'm hoping as I learn more about this role, if there's anything we can help to promote girls' uh, cricket, I would love to do that. So that is my stance on international level. On the youth level, I want to continue getting support from the, the city. Uh, this is something that I've not really been as involved with as Ramesh Amadi is. And he has been a great mentor. He's, I'm learning a lot under his wing. And the level of city involvement is what helps us grow the sport. And the more we can get involvement from the city, I think we'll continue providing more platforms for the kids. Because to be honest, with the number of kids we have right now, we're running out of space. And it's growing, the interest is growing. And we need the city's support to continue providing this facility, this opportunity for our youth. So that's, I think, our goal for the Youth Academy. All right, Naheen, time for the favorite 11. Before we start off with that, uh, I want to remind everybody that the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast is presented by Dream Cricket. Dream Cricket Pavilion Shop can help you fill up all your cricket kit requirements from top-of-the-line English willow bats made by all the top manufacturers, as well as helmets, gloves, pads, jerseys, highlight DVDs, books, and more. Get 10% off all orders over $400 using coupon code DCUSA. That's DCUSA. Go to shop.dreamcricket.com to take advantage of that offer today. 
Dream Cricket Academy is located at 400 Apgar Drive in Somerset, New Jersey, just a mile off of Exit 12 on Interstate 287. For more information, call 908-938-3787 or email cricket at dreamcricket.com. You ready to rock and roll for the favorite 11, Naheem? Sure. All right, here we go. Now, I know you said at the start, living in Vegas is not like being a tourist in Vegas, and you're never a, a tourist in your hometown. But having said that, what is your favorite Las Vegas casino? That's a hard one. There have been so many <laughs> over the years. MGM, maybe, initially to start with. MGM Grand. Now, is that for gaming or is it for concert venue, boxing venue, sports venue? Because there's a lot of things you can do with these casinos that have nothing to do with gambling. Combination. MGM's a really nice entertainment. You know, it used to be when I was there. I don't know. I haven't been much since I've moved out to the Bay Area. Your favorite thing to do in Las Vegas that has nothing to do with a casino? Smoke hookah <laughs> at a hookah lounge out there. The nicest or the best cricket ground experience you've had as a fan? Karachi National Stadium. Your favorite place to eat out on tour or away from home? Zatar in Dubai. Zatar in Dubai. Now, what part of Dubai is that in? Um, it's a chain in Dubai. We usually stay at uh, Jumeirah Beach area every when we go. And we have their number on speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite cricketer of all time? Um, growing up was Wakar Yunus. Now is Mohamed Rizwan. And why Wakar Yunus and why Mohamed Rizwan over, over the two different time spans? Growing up, watching that fast bowling live at a stadium was it was it was amazing to watch him run in and those yorkers that and toe crushing yorkers that he used to bowl and if you watch it live it's just mind-blowing so loved watching him bowl live Mohamed Rizvan for he's just an amazing cricketer his history where his father was against him playing cricket and where he had a struggle at the beginning of his career to now where he is now, I think he could be an incredible captain and leader as well. So, you know, I really admire him for that. Your favorite non-cricket athlete of all time? Well, there are quite a lot. I remember 2006, uh, was it Fabio Cannavaro from Italy who won the... <laughs> Forza Italia! Forza yeah. Italia, Forza Italia. So I was, a, you know, I, I really loved watching him, especially the 2006 soccer, football. I grew up calling it football, football World Cup. I was in Toronto and it was amazing watching them win. Uh, then Pete Sampras and Venus Williams. I got an Italia jacket, a football Italia jacket in 2005 that's got three stars on it and i can tell people the year that i got it and that's the line of demarcation because now they got a fourth star after 2006 all the jackets that i sold have the fourth star for the fourth world cup win so that's that's how you know my italian roots i've i've had my italian jacket supporting the the italian national team for a long time and very thrilled that they beat england in the shootout to win the euros recently as well i find that Wonderful to hear. Fabio Cannavaro, a wonderful name for my my past as well growing up. And Pete Sampras as well. Another Pete. I'm a Peter. 
I'm very specific about that. But Pete Sampras, he was one of my idols growing up in uh, New Jersey, being a big tennis fan. And I, my two sports growing up, tennis and ice hockey, you were either a Sampras or an Agassi guy. There was no in between. And I was, an, I was a hardcore Sampras guy. <laughs> Your favorite thing to do to pass the time on a 14-hour Trans-Pacific flight going going from the U.S. to Pakistan. There's an awful lot of time to go. What's your favorite thing to do on one of those flights? It's changed with them being a mom, you know, kind of keep an eye on them and keep them entertained. Uh, my husband and I, you know, we enjoy talking and catching up, you know, on that on that flight and watching movies. Okay, are you a Coke or a Pepsi person? Coke. Can't beat the real thing. Your favorite pizza topping? Jalapenos. I know a lot of people don't like it, but I like pineapple, jalapenos, and chicken. <laughs> that is a, a very unique trio. Jalapenos, pineapple, and chicken. And everybody, the, the typical thing is to get the Hawaiian, the, the ham and pineapple. I wouldn't expect uh, a Muslim to be a ham and pineapple Hawaiian person placing it over that. But how did you come up with jalapeno chicken and pineapple? I'm very curious. I think it was when my husband and I got married, I don't know, someone suggested it to us or what, and we loved it. And ever since that, we'll get it. And I know a lot of people can't understand the jalapeno on it, but we actually surprisingly like it. And if you put a little bit of red peppers on it, it's awesome. <laughs> Your favorite movie of all time? It wasn't a favorite movie, but I have a really distinct memory of, was it Django? Django. Yeah. Django Unchained. Yes. With Quentin. Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the movie I watched. <laughs> the Django Unchained. That I watched when I was pregnant with my first one in the movie theater. <laughs> and, and he turned out okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting movie to go to uh, while you're pregnant because babies in the womb, they absorb so much. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, your favorite show, yes, to, to binge watch, uh, whether it's Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Paramount Plus, you name it, your streaming service du jour, DVD box set. What's your go-to binge watching show? A lot of shows. My husband and I watch quite a few together. Um, enjoyed, uh, I watched uh, Queen's Gambit, really liked that. Uh, Narcos, I watched that with him. Recently, we just started watching Ted Lasso with the Richmond FC team and really enjoying it. So that's our new show these days. I have not got to Ted Lasso yet. I, I did watch Queen's Gambit, and that was quite well done. I watched that with my wife, and we were quite big fans of that. And it's almost a shame that it was just cat that was just designed for one series. You almost wish there would be a, a second season or third season, but it just wrapped up in, in one miniseries. But it was very, very well done. Naheen Chattery, thank you so much for coming on the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast. I'll give you the final word. Anything else you want to share that you haven't already about your life in cricket and anything else about what you think people should know about you or about your involvement in cricket? No, I just want to say thank you for having me on the show. There's cricket in the Bay Area. We have uh, a lot of academies around here, and I just wanted to tell people that, you know, if you're interested in introducing the sport to your child, reach out. There are a lot of people in the Bay Area, and it's growing. Um, a, lot of, a lot of opportunities and infrastructure, and we hope to continue to grow. 
for me, at the end of the day, I, I hope and see that we all work together, come together and work together. And that's the way I hope that this can bring success to cricket in the U.S. You said reach out. How do they reach out to you? Is there a website or a contact email that people, if they want to get their kids involved, whether with Dublin Cricket League or San Ramon Cricket Association, or if there's any women out there in the Bay Area who are going to get involved in, in terms of cricket with your role as USA Women's Coordinator, how do they get in touch to make that happen? So we have a San Ramon Cricket Association youth Facebook page and Dublin Cricket League Facebook page as well. We're quite active in responding. We don't go straight to WhatsApp. So you've got Dublin Cricket League and the San Ramon Cricket Association Facebook pages and then DublinCricketLeague.com right at the home page. It says register now. Sign up. Yeah. So don't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Naheen Chowdhury, thank you so much for coming on the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast. Thank you. Naheen Chowdhury is doing some fantastic work in the East Bay of Northern California and by all means if you haven't already if you've got a kid or an adult female who's interested in playing cricket in Northern California by all means reach out to Naheen she's very very eager to get as many people involved in cricket as possible in spite of a pandemic they've had tremendous growth in the east bay out in northern california and naheen chowdhury is a big reason why I want to remind everybody subscribe to the podcast whether that's on youtube in video format or on spotify anchor fm apple Podcasts, google podcasts and other places where audio podcasts can be streamed or downloaded go and do that so you can get all the latest episodes of the stars and stripes cricket podcast and also encourage everybody who hasn't already sign up on patreon there's different levels of sponsorship you can sign up for on patreon and that goes a long way towards helping keep the podcast running smoothly from episode to episode so by all means go ahead and do that if you have not already until the next episode i'm peter dolpen reminding everybody god bless america and god bless american cricket